Well, folks, it's autumn, and therefore, we're going to change with it and discuss some autumn music for you. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week, we will be discussing the um, new release from Ed Sheeran that's been out for less than a month. It's called Autumn Variations. It is his second album this year. He released his um, last album back in May, Subtract, which uh, we covered on this show. And... um upon release and we both ended up really enjoying it despite some feeling that he was a hit or miss artist singles wise at least like some of his songs we liked some of them not quite as much but we were definitely intrigued to know he was working with Aaron Dessner of The National who's been a huge producer so far this decade and uh he really um had a lot to write about with his life changes in his life with his um <laughs> that's repetitive to say but his wife had cancer while she was pregnant and uh, his friend died of an accidental drug overdose and all of these uh, events really inspired ed to look in deep and write. and uh subtract was one we both really enjoyed it wasn't as popular as his prior albums but i mean he led us all the way in on subtract that's why i loved it i was i didn't yeah. know much of you if you a new listener i knew almost nothing about ed sheeran and he made a fan out of me you know it was a cohesive album it was it was it did exactly what he wanted it to do and that's in my opinion have this cathartic let go and let us in at the same time which is a great way especially if you're a singer songwriter to get it out (laughs) um and we'll see a little bit here i think a little bit but uh so Yes, he announced this album back in August, and he said, here was his quote about it. It was, quote, Last autumn, I found that my friends and I were going through so many life changes. After the heat of the summer, everything either calmed, settled, fell apart, came to a head, or imploded. And um, he mentioned that he was told about a composer named Elgar who wrote something called Enigma Variations, where he wrote 14 compositions based on each of his friends and he said he wanted to do that with this album and um it's his first album being released on his own label which is he's like done almost no promotion for it much unlike subtract which got a whole documentary and visual album there's none of that happening here but um so here's the thing where i'm gonna spoil a bit already but um this concept uh is it a concept though or is that just a quote? Because I struggle with this, and and I really want to know what you think. I think it's an attempted concept, but it's not. If you had not read that quote and you listened to that album, you would not be able to tell that each one of these songs were about a different friend. You I would can't. think they were all him. You, I, I, I'm okay. So this is where my my thing is. Is that just a quote? And he, and I mean. Was he saying that he was trying to make them all? I just can't. I can't find 14 people here. I can't find 14 people here. I can't find many other people. they're 14 people, people, they're all very similar and have very similar fucking problems. That's all I... I can understand that sometimes your friends are a lot like you. Knowing... And again, I knew nothing about the man coming into this, but I really enjoyed reading about him. I really connect to what he's going through uh you know as as a new father as as a as a a new husband or as a husband period just as a man i could feel a lot of that in subtract and it was also you know given to me visually which really helped 
but then gave me a better glimpse at him from what I think I know of him, uh, especially inside of the album, you know, what he told us and let us see. I can't find anybody else really, unless I'm reaching in this album. And I know it might seem like we're getting ahead of, of the, the cart here, but we're not because without saying this, you would have to listen to us say this about every single track. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, it's, I've struggled with the fact of, is this a concept or not? Yeah. And, uh, I, I've been looking into this because I'm just wondering, like, what? I'm just so confused once I listen to these songs. It's like, so this is about 14 different people. And so I did some looking on, like, Reddit and whatnot because uh, people talking about Ed Sheeran and his subreddit know a lot more about him than I do. And it seems that he started working with Aaron Dessner in late 2021, which was before his wife was pregnant with a tumor and before his friend died. And so they very well may have written songs before all of that happened. I can see that. And uh, maybe some of these songs were written during those subtract sessions or after it. Cause it, I don't, it from what fans are saying subtract was not going to be what it ended up being initially. It was going to be a more standard what you'd expect from Ed Sheeran before his some life-changing events and he went deeper in the songs um, and wrote about the heavier topics. I can feel that same guy that we heard in Subtract dealing with the same problems, I feel like, or it's a lot of the same hang-ups that we saw in Subtract as well throughout this album. Maybe it's just me. I, I And, you know, I do, I really do, connect with him on that level or you know i maybe i'm reaching a tad and we'll see as we go through but it's i don't know about 14 friends yeah i just find that i I wonder like this is gonna sound terrible but i wonder like are they imaginary friends or are they different versions of you like what like i'm just so baffled by this because it just is not something's just not adding up in that context for me it just doesn't make a lot of sense and so and it could it could just be that enigma variations was written about 14 friends and and that was where that quote was going and maybe he was just thinking about these variations on himself this is that's what i ultimately get out of this is the variation on himself because he's really all over the board here yeah and i I feel for him here If, if every single one hits true for him I mean, he's that's the he's hitting the normal struggles. <laughs> he does well telling the stories. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, his his gifts are on display here. We are um that's getting ahead of it. But yeah, let's say that. But um, I I think at this point, I don't think that we. I think we just have to go song by song. So yeah, people understand what we're talking about because you just uh, there you just have to do it and there's no singles no videos no any of that so if you haven't clicked stream on this you probably don't know anything so yeah with that being said yeah listen along (laughs) yeah listen along please and let us know what you think because um I, i i do have some thoughts on these songs i will say that at the very least ed you did create something rife for discussion and thank you for that 
let's get at it in, in all its in all of its glory and beauty so yes let's get at it and um if you haven't already please follow us on facebook and instagram at turntables and tea podcasts and on twitter former will now x at turntables tea and of course subscribe and rate us wherever you're listening to us it would be much appreciated to help us get the word out about the show and allow us to keep producing episodes for you all because it's what we love to do. The album starts with a song called Magical. Uh, he, I did read that he said he wanted this song to feel like fairy dust. Okay. Um, I Yeah, I don't <laughs> quite know what that would be. Uh, don't, it's not Peter Pan. That's all I can say, but... um. This is a love song, and um, I think it's a nice love song. I wouldn't go so far as to call it magical or transcendent, but it's it's fine. I think it's a good opener. It again has it like it has a decent hook to it. The lyrics are pretty descriptive. I mean, he's written these kind of songs before, like the the love songs, like even on the last album with a song like Curtains or Colorblind or even just some of his big hits. He can write these songs and connect with a lot of people, whether you're a fan of them or if they were overplayed or whatever. Like, he he does this well. Do I think it's a little schmaltzy? Yes, but I kind of expect that from Mr. Sheeran. He's high on the sentimentality when writing a love song, in my opinion, but that's who he is, and uh, he shouldn't change that. Um... So yeah, it's a fairly understated composition too, which I think is good. And uh, we'll we'll see if it stays that way throughout the rest of the album. It is. It's that love song. In all honesty, it at first I thought it was a little slow to start the album. First listen, I said, okay, this is a little bit slower than I would I would figure you would come in on. What he's saying, uh, you know, this beautiful love song, this beautiful magical moment. It's got to be him for me, you know, so this is the the beautiful love that we know he shares with his wife. And I dig it. I like this reminded me of a full pedal board Sheeran. It sounds like a built piece by piece, old school Ed song, um, you know, evolved from from where he was before. Now, so far as we've come through subtract, it just it's there and it hits and it says just like you were saying it, it's it's just not something that that jumps off the page to you and it's a little bit of a softer start for this album than maybe my anticipation you know was a little high on it but it's just, it's a little bit softer of a start here it's definitely beautiful love and for me in my opinion it's definitely about beautiful love and in my opinion it this is definitely him here um, yeah it if, does if sound like he's this. writing about himself here that's this is a perfect example of, uh, is this one of your friends or are you sure it's not you? Because this sounds autobiographical yeah. to me. And in and, uh, and that case, I love it. <laughs> yeah, as far yeah. as it being autobiographical. I, I just, uh, I guess we just want some clarity on that. But speaking of autobiographical, I think the next song, intentionally or not, definitely comes across that way. Uh, that song is England. Um it's just really, it's a tribute to the country of England, where Ed is from. Uh, it has a slightly anthemic feel, which I think is appropriate for a song paying tribute to a country. Um, you know, when I hear this song, the first song it reminds me of is um, Love of My Life from Harry's House. 
closing track on that um, because that was also that was a tribute to his home of England as well. But uh, this song lacks the specificity of that track, in my opinion. Like there are little details in there, but I don't think even though it could be from him, it doesn't feel especially personal to me, this song. Like, lyrically, like, it just seems in some ways kind of vague, I guess, and not after the song some subtract, I was expecting a bit more, like, about how England makes him feel, not just what it looks like. And that's kind of what I'm getting from this song. I do think it has a good hook. I like the production on it. I don't think this is a bad song. I mean, he just, he knows how to write catchy songs and that's present throughout this whole album. But there is something missing there for me on this one. Yeah, I'll start right where we have been connected since the start of this. And that is, this one doesn't seem like you at all. (laughs) So now where are we as far as what you're trying to do here? This is definitely... And, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but, you know, not with too much jest. This is definitely composed like an English a commercial for England or like the soccer anthem for like the international club coming out. You know, it's it really is very cut and dry, um, almost super uh, general just to appeal to everyone. Now, I will say there's a bridge in here that's is super clean and it's a break of this repetitiveness of this just general vibe going on. And that I loved because it spoke like it was just, (laughs) I pictured like this lone Englishman, like with real pride for his country doing this, this bridge. And and I love that. Uh, That was the most personal piece, uh, personal part of this whole piece for me. Uh, and, And that was weird to hear, at this point in this album this is a cool song i I dig it for what it is i really like that bridge but i'm still a little lost on this album i'm i'm right there with you but um let's see if it maybe it'll all come together a bit more with our next track which is amazing um and the idea of this is i'm trying to feel amazing but this is the best i can do and uh this song very much, I think, could have fit on subtract. This one, in my opinion, like the um, general attitude of it, very much falls in line with the songs on that album. And uh, what I when I first heard this song, I did feel that Aaron Dessner's production on it. He does produce this whole album once again. I did find it to be a bit too busy at first, but with repeated listens, I came to appreciate it because. It's got this hook to it. It is an upbeat song, but there's a piano line throughout that is a bit melancholy. And it just shows that juxtaposition of like, I'm kind of putting on, doing my best here. I'm not at amazing. Maybe I'm happy, but there's some sadness here. And with repeated listens, I feel that the music does showcase that and work well with the song. And so on that level, I really think this is a strong composition and I think it would be an awesome sing-along in the live setting. It's a great song. It's a subtract song for me. That's my first notes. Um, It could have been a subtract song. It is a super upbeat 
And I'm so glad you brought this up because it's part of, of what I feel here and, and why I connect so much to this one. It's this super upbeat, everything in your face all at once song, but it's really masking somebody telling you about their depression. The premise is amazing. I mean, he is literally lost in anxiety and depression throughout this whole entire song, and he's singing it with a smile. This whole entire composition is a giant smile to mask this depression. I am I'm totally head over heels for this song, period. I, I love it. I mean, it is really a man trying to keep it together with a, a smile. That responsibility of parenthood, marriage, the whole nine, and being lost, you know, keeping that appearance up of being lost behind. There's so many good lines in here. I'd be, I'd be here. All, I might as well just sing the whole song. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's written so well. Uh, an amazing premise for a song. This is exactly what I was expecting coming into this album. And the song is is heavy enough and, and good enough to really make me stop thinking the thoughts that we were beating into the ground coming into it of where am I at on this album? It just feels good. It's a good song. It's placed here. It might even be just thinking about it, what my listening ears were looking for after the first two songs. So it, it sings a little bit more, but this is a, this is a hands down great song. I am completely with you on that one. And um, with that being said, we're kind of going to, keep some of that vibe going i think with the next track which is plastic bag i i can't be the only i know i'm not the only person who thought of kb perry's firework upon hearing that title oh see well it wasn't me <laughs> oh okay I, I i i'm sure i wasn't the only one though so um so this song the, the plastic bag is he's giving love from a plastic bag, which, um, okay, let's, so about the Katy Perry, yes, the line of firework is, do you ever feel like a plastic bag floating in the wind wanting to start again? And it got a lot of flack, I remember, like, when it came out, it's like, what does that even mean? That doesn't make any sense. It was from that movie. What was that movie where he was recording that plastic bag flying around in the wind? Oh, I wish I knew off the top of my head. Oh. Somebody out there will know. Okay. <laughs> Quote it, me, oh man. Let it me, was let the first I'd ever heard about this was from Katy Perry. And but many of us were confused in my group. of in, Amongst my peers, many of us were like, what is that? Okay. So, um, I, I don't, I think it makes a bit less sense here, unfortunately. And it's, um, I like the concept of this song. I love that hook of like, Saturday night is giving me a reason to rely on the strobe strobe light, the lifeline of a promise in a shot class. It's about I'm going to go out and drink to escape. And it's not something we necessarily should do, but it is something that many of us do at some point or at one point or another. And again, it does have a bit of that, again, melancholy party kind of vibe because that's what he's singing about. My problem is... I feel like what happened with this song is Ed has this great chorus. We gotta use it. What are we gonna put around it? And these verses, I generously I could say they're stream of consciousness, but I to me it comes across as more I need something to fill in this chorus, and we're just gonna put a list of grievances into a melody. And it doesn't sound bad, 
but I don't think that it's necessarily cohesive. Like, I feel like we went from one problem, like, oh, I didn't do enough homework, I'm struggling, oh, now my friend just died and I'm screwed. It's like, we really jumped around there. I I wonder if this is like a two songs in one kind of thing. I think it's a cool song to listen to, but I'm just, again, I'm really back to what is, the, where are we with this album? Are you singing about two different people? Is this all the same? Because it just feels a bit jumbled to me. I, I find much more of a cohesive story inside of this than than you do. And okay. for me, it, it, it's this guy, girl, whoever, it's this person who is is dying through the week. We're, we're, this, I am with you on being lost, whether this is him or someone else. But regardless, I can relate to this person uh, uh, listening through their their problems. And then, see, for me, and, and maybe it's just a different outlook on life, but love in a plastic bag, what comes in a plastic bag, especially in the setting where we're in the refrain, is we're waiting all weekend and Saturday night is giving me a reason to rely on the spotlight. But the lifeline of a promise and a shot glass, that's what, for me, is this melancholy turn here. Drugs come out of the plastic bag. This is the drugs. And it's referenced later on. So this is somebody who's lost in this spiral of getting tour every weekend just to... You were there with the escapism. It's definitely an escapism, but this plastic bag is where these these drugs are coming from okay and i didn't I, think of that <laughs> i think he does a great job hiding it which is great you know you don't hear it because this could be like a you could easily tell this story in a much more in your face way but i think using the end of that hook to put that in there puts another level on it when when you're inside of that syntax uh it, it even later on, I'm I'm scrolling through it because I, I it was another one that if I wrote them all down, it was gonna be way too long. But later on in the in the song, it's almost morning and I'm still not leaving. It's wearing off, but I can still feel it. Another one, and I'll touch the ceiling. That's really for me the one that brings it through and lets you know that this this person is fighting it all the way through. There's there's no want to go back. Uh, so this one stuck on me. Uh, this one stuck. It was it was powerful enough. It, it took me through. I like the composition here. It was neat. Um, I think, not I think, I liked the play on words throughout this narrative the most here. Um, but as far as pacing musically, coming out of Amazing, it felt on the same level. It felt to carry the same weight. So, I feel a little bit more grounded in this album, even if, it, for me, I'm just going off. This is him. This is him. This yes. is exactly what happens when you're talking about homework, and then, and then the next thing is your your uh, friend dies. Now you're partying all weekend and doing way too many things out of a plastic bag. I tried to really interpret that different ways, because I was like, you know, plastic bag is always where, regardless, like a, a remarkable amount of people are carrying something. You know, so if you're taking love out of a plastic bag, would it just be like this mundane love? And I was like, ah, it really doesn't fit. And then for me, that's 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 where that that it, it probably goes. is drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if he had a tough time or if he's doing. Well, I know that, his you know? friend obviously did. If that was how his friend died, true that too. True I that. I don't think he knows nothing about drugs. I <laughs> I'll, I'll say that much. So true um. That. 
But uh, yeah, we do have, I do agree, musically paced very nicely after Amazing. But we are going to, um, believe it or not, strip it back a bit um, with our fifth track, which is Blue. This is the only song on the album not co-written by Aaron Dessner. It was co-written instead with um, Boy Vance. And uh, seeing that name, I'm wondering when this song was written, because on Subtract, the song that he did with Boy wrote with Boy Vance, which was The Hills of Aberfeldy, that song, he said in the documentary, was written 10 years before Subtract. So they were repurposing an old song. So I'm wondering if they did that again. And either way, I'm okay with it, because I do like this song. Um, It just, again, strips everything back. It's very guitar and falsetto voice. Um, It's about depression. I think you can kind of tell that from the time. It's like, silence isn't golden, it's blue. Um, I think we're using, it's a good use of, like, just that, I think it's a good use of language here in this song. And uh, it's a short song. It has some really subtle orchestral elements. I like that it's not overdone because this kind of song doesn't need that. Um, I, I have to say now, I like that we have it more succinct than um, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I kind of wonder if Boy Vance worked as maybe a bit of a lyrical editor because I think this song's a bit more concise than um, some of what's coming up. And I think that's a good thing sometimes. So I'll say that. I mean, it's definitely the shortest thought on this album. I like it. I, I really do like it. I love the naked acoustic and, and the soft strings, just like you said. This tone we'll see later on again, and it makes me wonder if this is the true um, the true look-in for us as listeners or just marking the true introspective narrative here. I think it, it could be a clue. The word smithing through this, even though it was short and concise, you're right there. You know, whether it was a co-writer or not, it's really, really well done. There are a lot of cool ways to say different things in here uh, without ruining any of the song for anyone who hasn't listened. What I think hits me the most about this song is we're, we're definitely dealing with this depression throughout. And we sort of have been since Subtract. But Blue is the first time on this album that we get our true, in my opinion, our true love lost song. Uh, whether it be friendship or romantic inside this, it, it really doesn't matter. We get our first lost love here and it is handled very well. Still still rolling pacing wise as well, too. Yeah, but uh, we're, we're not going to continue to talk about lost love, believe it or not, on our next song. Um but we're actually going to tell a story of love on track number six, which is American Town. Easily the most hip-hop influenced song on the album. He's almost rapping, like, at parts of it, which is a throwback to his earlier sound from, like, the first, the songs on the first couple of albums. Um, and he said this was, this actually was specifically inspired by the TV show Friends, and the show even gets mentioned in here. Um, I mean, outside of that reference, though, I'm kind of wondering what show did you watch? Because I'm just not hearing it at all here. Uh, like, there's no mention of a coffee house or anything or a monkey or, you know, like, or chicken the duck. It's just so in that case, I'm not quite getting it. But yeah, you did a video with Courtney Cox on Instagram telling her I wrote a song about your show. Okay. Um, but, um, 
it is very catchy. It has got a big hook. This was actually sent as a single in Italy to radio, which I can see why because of that hook there. Uh, it's another one, though. It sounds autobiographical. English girl in an American town. You bought your girl to England. But again, I do. The, my problem is so in the review from the British of, of this album from the British music magazine NME, Thomas Smith wrote that, quote, the nuance and specificity of his last album songwriting is largely absent. Instead, autumn variations is akin to aimlessly swiping through Instagram, blurry snaps of followers, leafy happenings, whizzing through, whizzing past in a distracted daze. I don't know if that's fair to say that about the whole album, but I do think that's true of this song. I think this is just like a bunch of, th this is not a cohesive tale to me. And um, it's not, not my favorite. We're on the, we're on the opposite sides on this. And maybe because I became such an Ed Sheeran fan that I'm nutty about it. This song is literally how him and his wife met or basically towards the end. Uh, you know, they, they grew up uh, and went to school together. He was a year older in England, but it wasn't until later in their life in the States that they fell in love or started to be romantic. Their first date was actually the 4th of July party for Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, okay. So. <laughs> you're, you're more prepared than I am here. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, because when I was listening to this, I was like, dude, this is his. Also, because I'm searching for these other people, I was like, this is him and his wife. It's got to be him and his wife. So I looked it up. Like, where did they meet? What's the deal? How did it go down? And sure as shit. We're still talking about you on this album, Ed. So I don't know if there was 14 people, but this one, I, I love it. It hits right musically, uh, but it's neat to hear this this tale of them meeting. And maybe it's in my opinion, but I, I really feel like this one is him and his wife. And that's that's his English girl in an American I town. I think it's his wife, too. The, the friend he's writing about here is obviously his wife. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's, I uh, think it, this album's a lot more autobiographical than he's admitting to us. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, um, but, uh, yeah, American Town. Um, I mean, I do see it a bit differently now that you told me that. I'll say that. It's not my favorite song here by any means, but, uh. No, I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the album. I definitely, I like the way the lyrics dance off the composition in the refrain here, but I don't know if it's my favorite. Com I Actually, I do know it's not my favorite composition on the album. But um, yeah, we are a bit there, but I, I do have to wonder, it's your track seven coming up, your special track seven. I know, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, this one is called That's On Me. Um... It, it, this one's another uh, very contradiction-filled song lyrically. Like, we're saying this is just a bump in the ride. It'll be okay. But also, well, it's on me, too. Like, this sucks, but it's on me. That that does feel a bit, um, bit of a mixed message there, in my opinion. Maybe not everybody else's, but, well, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um... And again, I do, this is definitely that throwback to that earlier sound. He is almost rapping on this. Uh, I think from what I'm seeing, I think this is one of those songs where it's like, I feel like his early, the fans of those early Sheeran tracks will gravitate to a song like this or American Town very easily. 
And it does seem that's the case with the album in general. A lot of those early fans seem to like it a bit more than those who were big fans of Subtract. Is from what I've seen. It seems like if you love Subtract, you don't love this as much. If you didn't like Subtract much, you do like this a lot more. Um, From the fan reactions I've been seeing. And I feel like a song like this kind of showcases that well like because to me as somebody who loves subtract it feels like a bit of a step backwards songwriting wise like again it's that again that nuance of the songs on subtract i think is missing here and it's not just because of the sound it's also it's also the lyrics in this case a bit for me too i think that contradiction is this internal battle inside of this man uh, uh this person regardless but the internal struggle of this is it gonna be good is you never being enough or never feeling like they're being enough uh, you know we see that the struggle throughout a bunch of lyrics but we get the uh is it n- new me new year or just the same blues fear i feel like that's a really good summation of what this person is going through all the way throughout this narrative this is, in my opinion, the pop hit of the album. Uh, as far as the way it's laid down, I love the almost, I, I won't even say almost, he really gets into like a early hymn, English rap rhythm uh, with, with the way the lyrics are presented here, especially in the verses. I, I definitely dig it. I, I would have to say this is the pop hit. It's a great composition. Uh, it is, it's a cool song. And I I think that fight inside is a is another Maybe maybe I'm reaching, but maybe it's this old school. It's definitely an old school mentality, I feel, from him in these in a lot of the introspectives uh, as far as an old school male mentality uh, to add on top of that. But I think a lot of these little hits and these little tongue in cheek back and forths here really are on the line of like a proper English thought process. Uh, where it's a little bit more in in the behind the scenes of of the way it's presented, so I, I dig this. I really I, I'm on a run right here on this album. I'm digging everything since Amazing on a level where I was on almost on subtract. That is a fair point. Um, I, I do think that it's flowed very well. I completely agree with that. Um. But the question is, can we keep it going? Because we are now at that midpoint. And, uh, well, let's see with track number eight, which is called Page, which, okay, first off, not an exciting title for a song at all. Like, I, they could have, yeah, they could have picked a better title for this, I'm afraid of. But it's generally a song about being stuck on the same page and not wanting to move forward. And this is another song about him or his friend or whoever feeling depressed. And uh, here's the deal. At this point in the album, all of these songs, all of these songs, whether I like them or not, a lot of it's very woe is me. I'm unhappy. And that's real. But on Subtract, at a certain point, after a few tracks of woe is me, which was a good bit, but we would have breathers from that too, with a love song like Curtains or Colorblind or a song like Dusty about be- spending time with his kids. There just isn't that kind of breather here. And so hearing all of this, uh, feeling sorry for myself this much in a row, it 
at this point, it's starting to grate on me. Listening to it in this album format. And that does make it a bit harder to look at the song individually, because at this point, I'm just kind of sick of... There's almost no optimism here. Like, even some of the sad songs in Subtract had optimism. It's like, the waves won't break my boat. Where's that? I'm I'm starting to... Like, I need something like that at this point. This is too, like, depressing. And I don't think it's particularly remarkable musically or lyrically in any way for me to highlight it. I think it's a filler track. Yeah, one of my notes on this was reminiscent a lot of the feelings musically and figuratively that we've seen throughout this album so far. Uh, unfortunately, Paige doesn't really come off the page the same way <laughs> it's trying to in this narrative. It's... There's there's a line in there, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's like I'm a half-read story. This sort of sings like a half-read story. And if it's made to be so on purpose, I can understand that, but there's no reason why it shouldn't sit and resonate like like the story's not bad in it. It's just it this song doesn't resonate. It is stuck on the page. And I'll give it to you. This one was the tip of the iceberg or not the tip of the iceberg. This was the one that broke the camel's back as far as listening. And then I'm like, woof. All right, Ed, I'm I'm starting to worry about you now, buddy, because we're getting a little too down the sad way here and I can respect it and be down with that. But this one was the one where I, I literally can remember being like, okay, <laughs> let's 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 turn this bus around. It, yep. it, it just, it, it lacked, it lacked luster. And unfortunately, it came after a bunch of great songs. So it was the one, you know, it was the one who stayed around too long, in my opinion. Yes, but fortunately, he should have done it a bit sooner. But we are going to be a bit more optimistic on our next song, which is Midnight. Um, Which, okay, if you want to avoid comparisons to another singer-songwriter we've discussed on this podcast... I'm not sure I would have named my song Midnight, but... <laughs> I thought about that, too. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess we're not meeting you at midnight, but okay. Um, she will remain nameless for the purposes of this, because this is about another woman, again, his wife. This is another one of those songs. I'm like, Ed, this is not about your friends. But I digress. Beyond that, I think this is another nice love song it's like yes the day is rough but at the end of it the worst days will end with midnight in your arms it's like yes what a lovely thought it's like there's a light at the end of the tunnel here that i can look forward to so lyrically i am ecstatic to have something more optimistic and not feel like i need to have this man on watch constantly for his own uh, mental health um now, the production on this song actually quite a bit reminds me of Radioheads in Rainbows, particularly the opening song on that album. And um, it's a cool sound. I don't think it works for this song at all. Um, I mean, I do like Aaron Dester. Some have known, like, maybe his sound's starting to wear a bit thin because he has been a busy man. He's put out two national albums this year, and he's been booked pretty solid with production work. It's like not every composition is going to hit. And I just think this piece would have fit better with 
just a more chaotic song lyrically. This um, this is a a match that just doesn't work for me. It's like two ideas of good songs that just it's not a good marriage of it though. That's the problem here. No, you're right. Marriage is my favorite part about this, and that's him singing about his wife and how happy he is that his worst days end in her arms at midnight. And, you know, there's happiness with this super zesty vibe that we get right off a page, this automatic, like, okay, here we go. But this composition, for me, is a tad a tad bit too poppy, especially for this awesome story like you were saying it, it really they don't fit there is no marriage here i am so on board with you uh that our notes are exactly the same on this it, it really is it's almost blatant how much they don't fit and i looked if they're you know i looked for i, I try to reach and i looked for that contrast in in the lyrics that would make that happen and it doesn't it just this one doesn't fit for me I wanted it to, and it's cool to have some some awesome vibes, and I love what it says. But as far as, like, I don't know, man. It just doesn't work. Yeah, the sound is not it. Yeah. But um, there's, there's a nonstop beat behind it that really drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 it's, it's not that I couldn't get... It's the 15 step. That's what it is. It's that 15 yeah. step. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's not I couldn't get over it. It was just... Man, it is the start of the breakdown of that composition <laughs> musically for me. Yes. But um, we are going to go back to stripping things back with our next song, Spring. Aaron, Ed and Aaron co-wrote this song with Bryce Dessner, Aaron's twin brother and national bandmate. Um, this song is definitely about seasonal affective disorder and being depressed during winter. Um, I know that's something... I can relate to a little bit. I've been there before. But, uh, you know, holding out for spring. So, again, I like that um, we have, it's like, I am sad. But there is a light here. And I can hold out for the upcoming season and it'll be better. Which I'm totally, I completely relate. That spring's my favorite time of year. It's just the perfect weather, in my opinion. And uh, it's not, like, horribly dark early every night. Like, it's already starting to get... Um, which makes me want to go the hell to sleep, but, um, so, yeah, I do, I relate to this on that level, and again, I like that we, again, we can sing about it with some hope. The only real note I have about this, what's with the, this is like the, not the first time I've heard about homework on this album. What's with all the homework mentions? Like, why are you thinking about that? I'm very confused. I know I'm I'm I have to go look at the lyrics because the, the first time I was like all right he got something I didn't get but I didn't see I, I don't know it didn't no, stick it's out to me in the song and I'm baffled because makes me wonder like who are you hanging out with if this is about your friend <laughs> that's true you go back to the friend thing <laughs> you go I mean, back because what does he have homework like no no he doesn't he's a grown man yeah man. It may, it might, maybe it's an English word, you know, like an English variation of something else. I mean, it comes up with homework and canceled holidays. So vacations that were canceled. Maybe it's like stuff you got to do at home. I don't know. Please don't educate know. me. If I, I gotta, I, I'll look that up. <laughs> uh, look that up. I'm telling you, man, I'm hot tea take. 
I've never heard Ed hit the folk vein as hard as he hits it here, man. This is folk as, excuse my language, this is folk as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) He kills it, man. I love this. Can't let the winter win. It's got this wild, like, late bridge at two minutes, and it's super unique. It does this wild chord change and brings us right back in. It's almost like, it really made me feel like snow was melting while he was doing this chord change on the bridge and then is bringing us back into a hope of spring. I really like goodbye to the frosty thoughts of winter. I love this, man. This is a this is a get down track for him. This this showed his chops and was produced really well. This is this is a really, really cool composition. One that I was not expecting. Um going into the album or just coming through the album so far. This was a this really truly was a spring uh for me inside of this album so i dig this one yep so do i despite my quibble about the homework mention (laughs) i do enjoy the song a lot uh we we are getting down with the folk here yeah man and uh we're we're gonna keep it going a little bit i think with the next song but not completely which is punchline which not a funny song but a song about feeling like you're the punchline which uh yep relatable a bit i think many of us have been there before but um I kind of wonder if he wrote this when he was like filming his visual album and did the boat video when I hear him talk about wait naked waiting for his clothes to dry. I'm like, I'm sure they were wet after being in the ocean. And the talk of editing the runtime. It's like, what were you working on your visual album then? Or your documentary? It's like, um uh, the the main part of this song that seems to be getting a lot of attention is the outro. And I totally see why. I think that it's a really beautiful synthesis of like multi-tracks and all that good stuff with what where we've been in the song and just more to it. Um, reminds me a bit of Exile from Folklore in that regard. Uh, so I am very, I, I do like this song. I don't think it's the best on the album like some folks are saying it is but i do like it my only real major critique of it is that i think it ends a bit too abruptly i do wish there was a bit more of a fade out you know i hate my fade out so i this this song got extra points for that abrupt stop but you talk about that uh, that that bridge that we hear uh at 208 and the way crescendos and multi-layers and just takes us through it's really something that everybody should listen to a really cool way to come out of this song this was what i had alluded to earlier this is another one where off the beginning we get the this great acoustic strumming and soft strings and for me it screams that this is another introspective narrative. This is another look inside of his own head. I love the fact that you were bringing up the stuff that you could see, you know, that he was saying about his experience, because I really do. I think that's when he wrote this uh, coming through. But I think this is our our hint again, our musical hint of, hey, I'm going to bring the strumming and the soft strings and I'm just going to talk from inside of me, which I love. And this song doesn't end up like that, but it starts like that. And it really is, is well done. So it, this is another one that leads me on my line to believing that this is not about 14 people. This is variations of Ed Sheeran, which I can get behind. And I love, I was confused, but now at this point in the album, 
And these are all just variations of you, baby. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's the realization that I came to as far as at this point in the album. But really neat one, man. I like to hear that people say this is best on the album because this is one of my faves. Yeah, but uh, maybe he doesn't want to admit that it's variations of himself. Um, I can see why he'd think that based on the lyrical content of our next song, which is When Will I Be Alright? Oh, this one's... Uh, I, I find it to be very similar musically to the song Blue. It, again, is mostly acoustic bass, sung in a falsetto, subtle string arrangement. Uh, but the, I will say, though, um, it is definitely less poetic lyrically. Um, this song is really fucking, like, depressing as anything. Like, whoever is saying these words needs a psychiatrist ASAP. Like, you start the song off by talking about, thinking about that, I'm like, oh my goodness, seriously? We're doing, really? And, um, this is another one I kind of wonder when it was written, be or if it was like a rough draft or something, because I hear the poetry of a song like Blue, which is from this album, not mentioning the songs off the previous album, that I felt like had a lot better use of words and were more poetic, not to overuse that word. Lyrically, this feels like this this is going to sound really harsh, but to me, lyrically, this is something that would be impressive at a high school talent show. In the context of what I expect from this songwriter, this is a throwaway track. I think I don't. I think what he's singing about is very real, but these feelings were expressed more fruitfully elsewhere on this album. Just on this, I'm not even talking about the previous one. I just, this just isn't, it seems like a rough draft to me. This needs polishing. Uh, it, it just, and it's just really not something I want to listen to again, because, oh my goodness. So just again, just please see a psychiatrist, get your head out of yourself. Like this is ugh, just kind of painful to listen to in that regard. I love this composition. <laughs> of course you do. I love everything about it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. For me, this sings like an old folk song or even like a shanty, like a bar shanty. And when I'm saying that, I'm coming from exactly what you're saying with this, like shouting it out, exactly what you mean. No poetic nonsense everybody sing along raise your glasses some might say bartenders are my favorite psychiatrist but this this bar ready song and it speaks to me or it seems to speak from his roots with this fiddle it feels like a pub in the middle of the hills of england to me you know it almost has a feel that is a little bit older than him but for me that that speaks to the the roots his roots um, this is him screaming it out all the way. And I, I love the way it's done here. I really do. It, I, I could see myself at an English pub and some dude just singing this and I'd be right there with him. You know? But he's not even <laughs> shouting the song. I, I'm shouting it in the most poetic sense there is. There, There's nothing there's... more powerful than letting it all out. 
this uh, is sung in, in the whiny ass falsetto. It's the shantiness of it. The, 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 I I love it, man. I really do. Well, we're, we're, we're gonna we're just gonna agree to disagree on that. Um, you there? You go. You guys gotta listen to it. See if you don't see some shanty in it, <laughs> or maybe you just hear some falsetto whining. You never know. Uh, let, let's um. But uh, we, we're gonna kind of uh, let, let, let's just see what we're gonna think of this next one because now I'm very curious to see how you think about this one because uh, uh, um so our penultimate song is the day I was born. This song is about having a lonely birthday. In this situation, the narrator's mom is far away. His friends are trying to detox. So he goes to a bar by himself, looks through random stuff on his phone. But at the end of the day, no one cares it was the day I was born, that it's the day I was born. So here's the thing. I I can't speak for everybody, but I think lonely birthdays are something that's happened to a good amount of people. I remember um my first post-college birthday felt a bit lonely because it's like, oh my goodness, my friends are all spread out now. We're not all in the same town. It, it takes me a bit back to that. But um, in that moment, I thought to myself, you know what? Was I unhappy? Yes. But I was starting to think, I, maybe I just need to make some changes in my atmosphere. And that was what I did. So while I can relate to this song on a certain level, just because something happens and it sucks does not necessarily mean that it's a great thing to write a song about. Like, this is kind of like, in my opinion, writing a song like this is, oh my god, this song is so uh, just whiny again. I mean, and what really doesn't help me is the fact that it is so overproduced. All of these strings everywhere. This sounds like a a full orchestral piece for a song about... A lonely birthday. I mean, based on this arrangement, I feel like I was listening to a funeral march. That's how overwrought this is. This does not work for me at all. This is easily my least favorite song on the album. I think that, in this case, the protagonist needs to get their head out of their ass and make some changes in their life. Because you... You know what? Are you allowed to feel sad? Yes, but you know what? You also sound a little privileged and like it could have been a lot fucking worse. So I am not a fan of this song at all. I detest this song on a moral level. (laughs) Now we can all hope that the character in this narrative goes on to have a better day, but we are inside of a moment that is a literal, just real moment that we're getting here. And of course it's over, oh, I, I, in my opinion, of course it's overproduced because I feel like there's this beautiful tongue-in-cheekness of this whole entire thing. It's almost like a Billy Joel-esque piano character-driven sob story, but I don't feel like it ever takes itself seriously and is almost exactly sang to that merit of like, come on, you're alone for your birthday, whatever. I don't feel like this... Uh, I feel like this is a variation of Ed, but I don't feel like this is meant to be a sob piece. I think it's I I took it as more of a, uh, a of a lighthearted tongue in cheek run. Really, it, it's not my favorite song musically on the album, 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I have way different feelings about this song than you do. I didn't feel any of that. I wasn't like, stop crying. Uh, where I did earlier, like a page where I was like, hey, we're getting a little bit too slow. I, I felt it fit. I felt it carried uh, the heaviness of the album. You know, like I didn't feel like it was a throwaway track. Um, I, I, I liked it. I didn't, I definitely didn't hate it on a moral level. <laughs> but no, I, I'm I, genuinely, there's nothing tongue in cheek about his delivery to me though. That's where I'm lost. But that for me, the, the overproduction and that is on purpose and that it, it's just a straight up wow, wow, wow song, you know, overproduced, overdone. It's not meant to be anything but, um, or at least I would hope so. <laughs> it, I it, it didn't hit me like that. So, it didn't hit me like that. Well, I, I really hope that's the case. That's I, I really, I, I, I thought it was a bit comical, and uh, that's maybe a different way yeah, of looking, looking at it. I, yeah. I just thought this was supposed to see. I Billy Joel is way more snarky than Ed Sheeran, though. Like but that's that, the but, thing. So, uh, you speak into that different kind of English uh commentary period but more so english comedy uh is a little bit or, or a lot more tongue-in-cheek than than we're used to uh, hey you know uh, i don't feel like i'm reaching too much on this but again Maybe this, you're we, not but we've got, we've got a couple surveys coming out after this yeah <laughs> seriously uh we need some we need some help here jeez let, let us know <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, that's our second the last song on the album. Oh, <laughs> he didn't describe the album this way. Okay, I thought this was serious shit to, based on a classical composer, and I'm hearing this. What? Yeah, I, I'm confused, well, Ed. You've baffled us. I think I'm trying. I'm. I think I'm starting to understand it by the end of this album, but we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. You you monster Ed Sheeran, you. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. All right. But um that is not the we do have one more song, though I don't know how we can go after that, because what what a just what a song to have to follow, whether you love it or hate it. But um our final song is Head Then Heels. It looks as in head greater than heels so not head over heels which would have made more sense but i guess we gotta be different um yeah it's it's another love song to end the album i really feel like the love song's been done better at this point i, I don't have a lot to say about this song i think it's kind of really redundant musically um i don't think i'm getting anything new at this point from this and i uh think i would have preferred it if he covered like tears for fears head over heels instead of that um sorry ed but uh that's that's what i think about that we definitely get an 80s beat here um we definitely get the love will overcome narrative you know we get this really gospel take on it the final song of the album for me I've come to realize that this is the variations of Ed by this point. And the gospel feel for me speaks to the only happy place that we see throughout this album. And that is, or I'm, I want to say the only happy place. 
the only place that he is finding happiness inside of his variations, and that is the love of his wife. And this love will conquer all. I, if I'm taking it the wrong way, that's just the way it makes me feel. But I, I, I hope that's the way Ed's feeling because mad respect for that. Is it a perfect end, ender for this album? No. Is it? Does it really fit this album <laughs> as far no. as the beat goes? It's not. I'm gonna have to say no. It, it's not my favorite way to end this album. But I will give it silver line and playbook of this love will overcome all um, triumphant take at the end, which is the last variation of Ed we'll see. Yeah, on his album, he said he wanted this album to feel like a hug. Um, maybe Ooh, we I didn't know that. I, I, I forgot to mention that. I'm not, maybe at times we accomplished that. I'm not sure we did on every song because... Um, Oh, this had some pretty heavy, depressing stuff that makes me worry a bit about his mental state. <laughs> I said that early on. I said it made me feel like a wor I'm worrying about you, Ed. But I, I love that he let us in, you know, so close to the last time he let us in, which we didn't even talk about that, how close these albums were. It's mind blowing that he had enough introspective stuff to to lead us on these journeys. But he did it. But but the question is, does this introspection stack up to subtract, which we both greatly enjoyed? Um, that that is the question that I guess that will be determined in our grades of the album. So I guess in that case, I guess you're gonna go first there. Um, here we go. Here we go with autumn variations, front to back variations of Ed. Yes, of course. It took me a while through this album to figure out that it was variations of Ed, but once inside of that context, I really felt like it took on a life of its own. Inside of the life of its own, if I'm looking up Subtract, this one was a lot more cut and dry, and it dealt with a lot deeper of the depression variations of Ed Sheeran, which I respect seeing and yes, we said it worries me a little bit, um, but it is a true introspective record in, in that right. As far as the pacing of the album, I, for me, it picks up at track three and it falls off right at track 12, 13. Uh, that's, it doesn't go the full distance but it goes most of the distance on, on really realized tracks that I think were not cutting room floor stuff from Subtract that I worried about and made for a cohesive album. I'm going to give this album a B. I don't think it was truly fully recognized, but I really respect him doing this much introspective work with the quality, the level of quality that he achieved here. Um, and I still look forward to to new stuff from him. I'm still a fan inside of what he did here. All right. Um, yeah, I did have high hopes after subtract for this. Um, I wasn't, I don't think this is cutting room floor necessarily. Maybe some of it was written around the same time, but uh this is a separate album. These like I don't think these are like sister albums in any way, like some other like Folklore and Evermore, for instance, are the main point of comparison to 
These, this is not that. These are separate projects. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, I just, I don't think that it's quite as focused as Subtract was in terms of the narrative. And I just, um, it was that NME quote. Like, I think there's a lot of nuance missing from these songs. And that frustrates me a little bit because I know he's capable of having more nuance. And uh, I know what what frustrates me, a, just may, frustrate might be too a bit too strong of a word. But um, what I don't love is the fact that obviously I know he's not writing hits for pop radio. Like when I hear something with a more obvious hook and we're going to let some other things go, if you're writing a hit for pop radio, I can kind of get that. I know he wasn't trying to do that here at all. And I respect that. And he's at a point when he can, where he can do that, which great for him. I respect that a lot. I just, I think personally for me, I just didn't connect with these songs as much. And for that, I am going to give this a C plus. All right. All right. What, if any, no, I'm just kidding. What was your <laughs> favorite, what was your favorite track on the album? Um, Definitely the song Amazing. I, I felt that was just, that was the one that reminded me the most of the previous album, and I did think it was a really well-done composition and fully realized, uh, just in a way that not everything here quite was, but I did really, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy that song a lot. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. Yeah. What's yours? I'm going to go That's On Me. I'm going to take my seven, which I don't usually get the uh, pleasure of doing, but that one... It sang to me on all types of different levels. I maybe it's I never was a big Ed Sheeran fan in the day, and I know that it's the most reminiscent of his old style, but it hit me and I, I really enjoyed the song. I'm I have to say that that's gonna be the one for me, but I have to say that spring is like right there because I've never heard that boy hit folk like that, man. Really, really well done yeah. track. So there's a few on here, but that that's that's on me is is for me that that is a fair point um yeah there we have it autumn variations um but alas for whatever reason even though it is still fall outside it's not going to remain fall on this podcast um because folks you love it or hate it on turntables and tea christmas is coming early this year that's because none other than Cher is releasing a Christmas album, and it comes out October 20th. May already be out by the time you've streamed this episode. But um, in case you don't know, I did a whole Cher podcast where he was on a few, a couple of them. I'll get canceled if I don't do the new Cher album as soon as it's released. How many new tracks do we have on this album that aren't Christmas classics that we know of? It is looking like there are going to be six original Christmas songs on there. The first single is already out, which is DJ Play a Christmas Song. Um, very Eurodance. It's very reminiscent of like the Believe era share for me. Um, I've enjoyed it so far. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but I know I like it. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear anything new Christmas and love it or hate it. We're going to break it down. 
drop, yes. you know, <laughs> get all the tea on it. Yes, uh, and um, but the good news is with this, with some of the old songs, we are getting duets, and this is um the first Cher album that wasn't with Sonny to have multiple duets on it. They're usually when Cher's done a duet, it's almost always been on someone else's album, so... That'll be really interesting to hear. And we've got some great artists. We've got duets with Stevie Wonder, Darlene Love, Michael Bublé, and Cindy Lauper. And uh, on one of the original songs, we actually have a track featuring the rapper Tyga. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, we are going to break it down for you. And uh, not really repetition from even what we discussed before on this show with our Christmas albums. Um. It might not be, I don't think it'll be the last Christmas album we discussed this year, but it's exciting to be discussing new material for sure from both Cher and for holiday music. There you go. Getting it early. I'm giving it to you guys. Yes. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I don't like to listen to Christmas music this early ever, but anything for Cher, that's my motto in case you didn't already know that. So, until then, just stay tuned, cozy up with your blankets and your fireplaces, and we are going to get our Christmas on early this year with none other than Cher. Can't wait for it. See you all soon. Peace!